0: Hey, listeners of the two-player podcast. So we started off our show uh, going over our top 10 favorite games ever made. Christine and I did that, but our conversation was so in-depth and so passionate. We just love talking about video games that we, wouldn't you know it, we went over uh, our one-hour limit, and we went so far over our one-hour limit that we spoke for around two hours. So we have broken up the first two editions of two player into two parts. So this first episode that you'll be hearing is going to be over the first half of our discussion and then partway we'll break it off and we'll upload the second episode as the second half of the discussion where we get into our most favorite video games ever made. So hope you enjoy listening to this part right here. Have a good one. Welcome to
1: welcome to
0: player two, a to, video games podcast. Yeah, for KTSW. I'm Jared Dudley here I'm, with
1: mm-hmm. Christina Sims.
0: Yeah. Woo. Okay, this is very exciting. We're having a great time here in the KTSW studio. Um, it seems that over the course of my working here, I'm currently the music director here at KTSW, and over the course mm-hmm. of my working here, I've noticed um, a real deal increase uptick in interest in video games and uh people have seemed to be very interested in learning more about video games and such Mm -hmm. um which i find very interesting and it's uh, a wonderful thing to see amongst the people and people
1: certainly migrate to you the games guy i guess (laughs) the so-called games guy
0: yeah um (laughs) it's a big uh fun topic it's one of my faves favorite things to talk about so we're going to be talking about video games a whole lot on mm-hmm. this show. I'm very excited to be starting off our first episode. What are we doing um, in our first episode?
1: We're establishing the the ground. We're making clear what our base is. Um, your favorites, my favorites, where we come together and where we may differ. And I'm sure we will differ quite a bit, though video games brought us together. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. We're building a bit of a foundation here so Mm -hmm. that you have um, a taste of kind of our personal interests and likes and dislikes in video games and also so we can find out more uh, about that from each other because I'm very excited. We have prepared today our top 10 favorite video games. Mm -hmm. And so we're just gonna have a fun little episode um, just running down our top 10 list um something i've been anticipating i'm very excited to hear yes. what christina's got cooked up
1: this it was a little bit difficult yeah to put them in order i didn't have mine in an order originally is it in
0: any particular order it is now oh okay
1: T- uh, 10 to 1 1 being my favorite I would have taken I would have oh, taken
0: cool. n- In no particular order Just top 10
1: Would you have? Yeah I sensed a little bit Of an attitude
0: oh, okay <laughs> I would have done that No that sounds fun
1: Sure 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 sure
0: That's like I mean that's totally fine It's very hard to like Pick 10 In a row And like kind of um, Order them yes. Kind of rank your love For a piece of Media Mm -hmm. can be very difficult, especially, like, all the way up to number 10. You can maybe do it for, like, 5, but 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to, like, 20?
1: For sure, tell you, like, my top three wouldn't change. But after that, it's like picking a favorite song. I have a couple, but I couldn't say for sure which is the absolute best. It depends on what mood I'm in. Mm -hmm. And also, favorite video games can mean a lot of different things. Did I like it because of the story or the gameplay? Or did I like it because... I don't know at that point in time in my life Mm -hmm. i just it just really resonated with me
0: video games are such like a more of an amorphous medium than like Mm -mm. um movies or television or music and that Mm -hmm. like one thing that is you know like threes is a video game you know the phone game threes and so is like (laughs) Baldur's Gate, or like Dungeons and Dragons. And those are like mm-hmm. two completely different types of experiences, but they're both video games. So it's like, how can you categorize those two things? How very can you true. say, like, how could you compare, or contrast, say one is better than the other? It's all very nebulous mm-hmm. when it comes to video games. And
1: for the most part, unlike a movie or a song, it changes every time you experience it, depending on the choices you make or the way that you want to play it. So. It's. It was yeah, very I guess difficult. so. Oh. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> depends
0: on like a player's um, kind of their own perception and their like maybe playthrough of a game or their yep. own experiences with like a more, online sort of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll definitely be coming up. But yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, our top ten video games. Let's hop right into it. Let's um start with 10. Let's start with 10. Yeah, let's go like 10 10 9 9. Let's just yeah. go down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah back yeah, and yeah. forth.
1: Okay, you go first. Me go first? Mm-hmm. Oh Outfit gosh. I got an order.
0: Okay. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull them out. So these, this is my top 10 list. I've like never had a concrete top 10. I made this over the winter break of um 2022 to 2023 cuz I was bored. And I was like thinking of just a little fun project of kind of framing my interests and stuff. I definitely had like top whatever just kind of in my brain, top movies, top albums, top video games. But I've never Mm -hmm. like written down a top 10 at least for video games. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a fun exercise to like go back and think about my favorites ever. Um, And this definitely took me a long time. I remember like spending a lot of time in my bedroom thinking this up. So...
1: I am very excited.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So number ten, immediately a curveball. Something very different from any of the other games on this list. Uh number ten, Dota Two.
1: <laughs>
0: How are that, you on your familiarity with Dota Two?
1: Very low.
0: Oh, I okay. mean, I
1: know everybody knows, but the, I was not expecting that one.
0: No, yeah. Um, so I played Just when I was a child, when I was a young child and I was poor (laughs) and I did not have many video game consoles, um, but I did have my dad's computer in his office at the house, I just played any crap free to play game I could get my hands on to, even when it was just like a horrible experience. Not fun. But if it was a video game and it was free, I was probably downloading it and playing it on my computer for too many hours. As you do. Yeah. So Dota 2... The beta came out in 2012, I guess I was like 11, 12. I think it was like the summer of 2012, so I was like 11 when I first encountered Dota. And I didn't really understand it because it's a very complicated game. For those not aware, Dota 2 is a what they call a MOBA. It's called a multiplayer mm-hmm. online battle arena. Um, so you have two teams of five, and they do strategy fighting. You pick a hero uh everybody's got their own ability very similar idea to overwatch which i know is very popular with a lot of people um around the office of um, legends yeah League of legends i guess if you're into that
1: okay <laughs> yeah
0: but um no i found dota 2 when i was like very young i had like a n- lot of free time and no money and it was just a free-to-play game that was very polished very immediately competitive they had their first um, world tournament that they do every year called the International. They had the International one before the game was even out, and then they made a documentary about it. Valve did, the uh, mm-hmm. developer and publisher of Dota 2, which was very well made. It got me really into esports for like the only thing I've ever gotten into esports for, just because it was an, it was a very exciting game to either be playing or watching. Mm-hmm. Once you started learning all of the complex mechanics and you found a hero that you could play. Um, whether you're playing like with a group or you're playing by yourself, it's has the potential to be a hectic fun time in a way that no other video game really is and requires a lot of teamwork and communicating with. If you're me, you're playing like four <laughs> random idiots from around the world and like trying to wrangle them to do a very complex team sport game and playing against five other people um, so there's just a lot of variables in the mix. And when you throw 10 humans into a game that can last like an hour and 10 minutes, just a lot of crazy fun stuff happens. And so for how dynamic it is, how intricate the gameplay is, and just how exciting it is on a moment to moment basis, I played an ungodly amount of Dota 2. I think I could have like learned a second language in the amount of time. <laughs> I put on Dota 2 as a child and teenager, but I haven't really played a whole lot ever since I went to college, just because I did not really have time. If I wanted to like commit to Dota 2 and try to be good at Dota 2 again, I could not play any other video game. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of the same story with like Final Fantasy 14, and any (laughs) of those like any like sort of live service MMO games. It's just like Mm -hmm. there's so many that I want to play, but I can never devote the time to.
1: They certainly become your life. Yeah, exactly. Talking to any esports person at Mm -hmm. all, they definitely become, it's like playing a regular sport.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I never got to like, I never got like good at Dota 2 necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I liked playing support um, and playing it. It was just, it was always entertaining, Mm -hmm. if not deeply frustrating. (laughs) And for that, I love it and will always cherish it in my heart, even though I may never play it again.
1: Right. <laughs> my my number ten is also a the standout one on my list mm-hmm. because I don't think I could ever sit through this game again. But I have I played it three times last year, and it last was the year? first time I had ever played it. And I love it to death. It will always have a special place in my heart. But I will never ever ever play any game of this genre again. And that is Danganronpa Two. Goodbye despair. Have you, are you Oh, the yeah. visual novels.
0: I was like, okay, I know <laughs> the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I can't sit through another visual novel. Um Why two? The second one, I think. The first one is known as like the classic one, obviously. Are they it's all the first one. Are
0: they all kids locked in a school and there's like murder games happening? You got the
1: premise of the first one. And
0: you one. have to <laughs> Do, like, an investigation to find out who's the killer? Like, there's one yes. killer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes? Is mm-hmm. that, like, the premise for all of them, or?
1: It, it's the premise, yeah, of all of them. Okay. Um, Locked to school, the second one is the only one where they are not. They are on a series of islands, which oh. maybe the environment is what I like a lot more about this one. However, I think the characterization, the soundtrack, and the gameplay were all greatly improved the first one was incredibly dull Mm -hmm. in its school environment it had like a very boring hallways so taking place on an island is a lot more fun but also i was kind of into true crime last year despite the fact that it made me scared to leave my apartment um thinking i was going to be the next college girl who is murdered and never found but getting into a true crime visual novel it was a lot more fun because the deaths were a lot more ridiculous yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Would I recommend this game to someone else if I wanted to say this game represents my taste in video games? No, not at all. However, I think the storytelling aspect, I also really, really like good voice acting, fun voice acting. And the clash trials are all completely voice acted. And it made me feel very, very smart to gather evidence and make my arguments in a timed out way. It's unlike... Phoenix Wright, maybe, where you aren't exactly timed by a constantly running down timer at the top of your screen. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel. Wait, there is a com- timer
0: like in Dig and Rapa. Yeah, there's okay.
1: a tom- there's a constantly running timer at the top of your screen, and oh, you wow. lose time if you get things wrong. And listen,
0: that sounds stressful.
1: It is stressful, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and timers cause me a lot of anxiety, but to get things right on your first try made me feel like i was really solving something i don't think i could ever sit this, through this game again it's so incredibly long but mm. i think about it all the time <laughs> yeah
0: they're it so is... long there are it's a series i would like to get into and would mm-hmm. i if i were to play one of them did i have what i have to start with one or it comes is there to any two, crossover,
1: you do have to play the first one okay And the first one's not terrible.
0: I probably would. I would play the first one. (laughs) The first one is a great
1: game all the same. But for the second one specifically, you do have to play the first one to understand the ending. I also think that the ending is a lot better in the second one. It kind of actually wraps up. Whereas in the first one, you kind of don't know what happens in the end. And I really hate cliffhangers. Hmm. Um, I would really like to know what happens to characters that I spent a hundred hours with at the end of a story. And that doesn't exactly happen in the first one, but in the second one, you get a complete wrap-up you understand what's going on and it leaves room for a sequel and technically there are two-ish sequels to the second one but for those they're a little more standoffish you could definitely get away with playing the third one or the one titled v3 (laughs) so
0: no okay well i think I think I have V3 on my Vita. Well, I definitely have the first one. I wouldn't one. recommend that one. I think I would it's terrible. not. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. I guess I would start with the first one, but I'm playing through an Ace Attorney game right now. So maybe when I'm done with that, that'll take my visual novel spot.
1: Is it your first Ace Attorney? Yes. Which one is it?
0: The Ace Attorney Chronicles, the new one that they put oh, on Switch last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving it. Okay. But, anyways, moving on. Next so. <laughs> up. Um, number nine, something we both love a lot Persona 5. Ooh. <laughs> Are we talking about Persona later?
1: We can talk about Persona... I guess oh, we're we about Persona- talk about yeah, Persona- yeah, that's what later. I mean. I, yeah. I would think so. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm thinking we're going to be talking
0: about Persona later, but you know briefly, it. Persona 5. <laughs> I played Persona 5 when it came out in the United States um, in, what, April 2017? Correct. Yeah. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was playing a game about sophomores in high school. I thought it was so <laughs> cool. Uh, the characters are endearing. It's a whole lot of fun. It definitely um, taught me to appreciate more turn-based combat before i was like i think i was already there before persona 5 came out i was playing a lot of um jrpgs but for the most part i was adverse to a lot of the older ones because i knew turn-based combat was a bit of a turnoff for me but i definitely really fell in love with a lot of the gameplay in persona 5 they made the combat very quick which is like the best part about it that it just goes (laughs) quickly the level design is fun it's like interesting to explore the dungeons and the characters in the story
1: and the voice acting and
0: the voice acting it's all really great it's a fun time
1: for sure
0: yeah it was definitely a summer well spent playing that game
1: agreed yeah agreed it'll stick with
0: me in my little sophomore year heart the rest of my life definitely
1: (laughs) Okay, so since we're going to go more into depth about that later, you already know. My number nine is also a game that we have both played, and it is Super Giants Hades. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this one is one of those games that takes a place on my list because of the point in my life that I played it. Not that I don't think it's a fantastic game. Obviously, I do. Um, I think it's pretty much perfect, but if you ask anybody who knows me i was unfortunately one of those people who's really into greek mythology Yeah. so i know a lot my necklace is i'll talk about my, my necklace is always a Greek mythology i mm. wear it every day and i love the whole i love everything about it and i love that in hades they do amend some of it because greek mythology can get a little creepy <laughs> um, but they do amend a lot of the relationships and stuff they have but other than that i love hades because it's Visually, I think it's a beautiful game. Mm. Musically, I love classical guitar. And I love the song that... um, I just forgot her name. Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah. have That is my... I think that was one of my top songs of 2020. Mm-hmm. After I played uh, Hades. But I think it is literally a perfect game for someone who does not like that genre.
0: Yeah. Do you mean like greek mythology or roguelikes
1: roguelikes not okay yeah as
0: someone i'm also a massive supergiant fan as someone who does not like roguelikes Mm -hmm. i remember that game got announced and i had to download the epic game store to play it (laughs) immediately um actually yeah way back then when that was like a whole deal people were mad about that remember that
1: i do recall
0: um but yeah i remember that got announced at the game awards i bought it immediately because i was a big supergiant fan and I was definitely disappointed because it was, like, the roguelike structure I'm not a huge fan of. This was the only one that I've ever finished still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just get bored.
1: Even though, technically, you haven't finished it.
0: Um, I've gone to... I've rolled credits. You, I have rolled credits roll on credits Hades. credits
1: twice in this game. Okay,
0: well, that's... <laughs> I have rolled credits in Hades, so that is considered finishing it. But yeah, Fair. I'm not a huge fan of roguelikes, but I definitely know that this is, like, the best one that I've played. i yeah, from the voice acting, there's so much writing in this. Mm-hmm. There's so much story and dialogue. The combat is perfected. This is obviously built upon like the past 3 games they've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's combat that's been built upon for the past 3 games and iterated for 3 games. And it really mm-hmm. shows when playing it. It's silky smooth as butter. Um I love it. Yeah. What
1: was your favorite weapon to use? Cuz I feel like I liked the unpopular weapons. <laughs>
0: The unpopular weapons, I definitely... One of them was a bow, right? Mm-hmm. I like the bow a lot. That was my least favorite. Oh. I see
1: that everybody loves using the bow and the fists. I think. I the fists was so sick. I forgot a lot the of the shield. weapons.
0: Oh, the shield sucked. <laughs> the shield was the best. No. Yeah, the weapons were a lot of fun because I love button mashing. And I love a mm-hmm. bow just because I do love bows in video games.
1: The shield, I will always stick to it. But yeah, Hades is my number nine.
0: Hades. Hades is a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, down to number eight. Elden Ring. Elden Ring came out last year. Um, I've been playing Dark Souls games since I was like 11 or 12. Um, yeah, Dark Souls came out in 2011 and widely now we know is the most <laughs> influential game of the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of the 2010s, yeah. Of the 2010s, yeah. You can't every, go anywhere without seeing a
1: Dark Souls reference. Every
0: <laughs> prominent video game made since like 2013 has some sort of Dark Souls DNA in it. Mm-hmm. um And Elden Ring is like we were saying with Hades, and how Hades is kind of the culmination and the iteration of like Super Giant building upon combat systems for three games. Mm-hmm. Elden Ring is the culmination of From Software making. Five, five Dark Souls... Um, Bloodborne. Blood, Soulsborne, that's the term. <laughs> making five <laughs> Born games and kind of iterating combat uh, enemy types, enemy animations for a decade, really. Mm-hmm. And then also on top of that, throwing a Breath of the Wild style open yeah. world <laughs> into the mix and also improving upon a lot of the things that Breath of the Wild did back in 2017. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. It's so, with how big it is and how it even makes Breath of the Wild seem like a small game with how Mm -hmm. massive the open world is, it is incredible how dense it is packed with interesting, unique, either enemy encounters, items, characters. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has, inside of that massive open world, there are these legacy dungeons that is the kind of iconic Dark Souls dungeon crawling that you would want in one of these Soulsborne type games. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just like making the best of both worlds. Like you have an incredible open world to explore, which my favorite part of these games is always the exploration. And then also the combat and very tight level design in these legacy dungeons. And of course the bosses, which are always iconic, the very massive expanding lore the fact that we call it lore, the fact that, like, the word lore (laughs) is used for
1: Dark Souls game? Not, like, for Dark Souls
0: game, but, I mean, like, in regular speech, people use the Mm -hmm. word lore to talk about, like, backstory. But that, like, came from Dark Souls, I feel like is the game that kind of commonized the term lore. I just, like, thought of that right now. But (laughs) I'm sure someone else has made that um, observation. But, I mean, like, yeah, just, like, an incredibly influential game and Elden Ring represents, like, the culmination of Everything that has come before it. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal.
1: It fixed... I never loved Dark Souls games. Mm-hmm. I gravitated a lot more towards Bloodborne. but um, Bloodborne is my favorite. Yeah. the uh, It fixed so much. <laughs> <laughs> it fixed a lot of the issues I had. I visually, if I don't like a game, how the way a game looks, it's just going to be very difficult for me to get through and it. And you didn't and like the visual design it. of Dark Souls? I don't love the heads-up display. The user interface.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. Western developer <laughs> sounding. <laughs> sounds like a Western developer. The week after Elden Ring came out. Listen. And they were all like, "This user interface creates friction with the player experience."
1: Listen. It's. <laughs> it is. It's an issue that I have. Um usually I, c- I can look past like some ugly graphics from like the twenty thirteen mm-hmm. kind of era. The 2008 to Are you, calling these, to games, 2013 are you calling these games ugly? I didn't say that. Did I say that?
0: Uh, sounds like <laughs> you were sounds like you were going there in that direction. <laughs> that's true, that's
1: true. Well, let's let's all accept that around let's say two thousand five ish to twenty thirteen ish, they were a little bit ugly. And that's a huge span of time, but um, I can usually look past that, but I did not like the user interface of the Dark Souls games. And Elden Ring, I think, perfected any issues I had with it.
0: Yeah, it definitely streamlined a lot of stuff and added more needed uh, quality of life Mm -hmm. improvements to the game that just make getting into the part of the game that you want to get into quicker and easier. Mm hmm. They added fast travel, which is insane in a Dark
1: Souls game. (laughs) Which is what you always need in an open world game. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) All right, moving on. All right, so my number eight we are on? Yes. My number eight is a game that we referenced earlier, which is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. The second one, Justice for All. So you haven't
0: played So you're a big visual novel person.
1: I was a big... Yes. Anything that leans towards like visual novel RPG was kind of how I got into playing video games. Mm -hmm. Um, But Phoenix Wright, the second one, if you really, really love uh, what you're playing right now, you will really, really love um, the original trilogy Mm -hmm. of Ace Attorney because the second one has a kidnapping (laughs) alongside a murder. It has a mystery that you need to solve. At the very end of the case, you have murder for hire. I think it has everything that. And I, I, I did say earlier that true crime kind of freaks me out. But um, when it comes to video games, I don't know. It seems so unrealistic that I don't really connect it to life, even though there's definitely these like
0: <laughs> there's definitely more of a barrier there. There's layers between you mm-hmm. and the media. Instead of it being like more grisly true crime TV show. For sure. Even though
1: Criminal Minds is one of my favorite shows. Okay, (laughs) well, there we go. None of this is surprising, really. But the second one, Justice for All, it is the best game. I loved the final case where, no big spoiler, because I don't know if you're going to play it. Probably. Probably. Probably not. Probably 15 not. 15 years from now. <laughs> Ace Attorney
0: 2, that would require me to finish the one I'm playing and then go back and play one and then play two. Yes. I'm going to say that's <laughs> going to be, that's a hard ask.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, you can so talk about fun it. uh-huh. going into the final case on the second day and hearing that the prosecutor who you're supposed to be meeting in the courtroom Uh, got shot and is in the hospital, (laughs) 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 which shouldn't be as funny as it is, but I don't know. It kind of adds to the intensity, especially when your second in command is, has literally been kidnapped and you have to prove a guilty person's innocence to get her back, or you can find him guilty and your second in command gets murdered. Hmm. I don't know. I love the intensity that they kind of added over the first one where... It's a little silly sometimes, you know, it's still murder because they're murder trials, but it it's a little silly, a little unrealistic, but this one kind of added some stakes to it. And I think it deserves the number eight spot on my list mm-hmm. just for that.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm loving the Ace Attorney Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is the new one. Have you played the new one? I have not. Okay. I'm loving it.
1: I kind of got out of it, and I really want to get back into it, because it's just really fun yelling objection. Yeah,
0: they're on <laughs> Switch. It's a fun time. It looks great, too. I love the art style. It
1: does look great, but I think the original ones kind of hold up Okay. as well. Yeah, and they kind of remastered them, so they, they kind of hold up as well as the newer ones. Cool.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, moving on. Uh, my number seven is... Star Fox sixty
1: four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Star
0: Fox sixty four is my earliest memory just in general. Was in the back of my dad's office at our house. Spent a lot of time there. <laughs> um in the back of his office he had a tiny CRT television on a stand and an N sixty four in the TV stand. And I would sit on the floor cross legged playing Star mm-hmm. Fox 64. For who knows how long. <laughs> I don't really remember a whole lot from it, but I do remember playing a lot of it. It was kind of the first time I can really remember enjoying a game and even still today it is just a satisfying little shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. It does not run well on the N64. It does not look great on the N64. Yeah, even as someone who loves like early 3D graphics, Star Fox 64 Visually, has not held up fantastically. Not no. as well as like something like a Banjo Kazooie, which still looks great mm-hmm. today. Um, but it is a game that is really perfectly suited for that weird, gross n sixty four controller.
1: Yes, with like
0: the one stick in the middle of the controller. Mm-hmm. If you when you so, need like
1: three hands, to yeah, hold you that. would need like
0: three hands to <laughs> properly hold it. But Star Fox as a game, it's very simple. You are just like it's kind of like a light shooter um, that you would find in like an arcade. Mm -hmm. Is very similar to that, but just having the little flight stick and then your shooting buttons are all very accessible using the other hand. Mm -hmm. It was just a game that was designed well for the N64, and it was incredibly easy to play, pick up. You would take different paths in the courses. Those are called the levels. But like depending on if you reach like secret challenges, you would unlock a new course throughout your playthrough, and always Mm -hmm. finding one of those just like blew my mind. It was the first like branching path I ever found in a video game, and that was just like Mm -hmm. a wild concept to me as a young child. But it's just a satisfying game to play, and try to get the high score in.
1: Since since that made your top Mm ten, you are going to. I feel like you haven't played something that is later on my list. Really? But I think you would like. Okay. A lot the reason why I'm not saying in. I'm
0: not saying Star Fox sixty four is a phenomenal video <laughs> game. I'm saying Star Fox sixty four is in my sure. top ten because it is the first game.
1: Right. For me, yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, no, no. Not all of these games on my list are the greatest game ever, but they're the <laughs> greatest game ever in my heart. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. Star Fox Sixty Four, I don't know like if I would be Playing video games still, like, without Star Fox 64. hmm It all started, there was a strong foundation there of just, like, some real good stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what's next?
1: My number seven, we are on. My number seven is Resident Evil 3. Are you three? The original and the remake. Nemesis. Three. <laughs>
0: And this is the only resident it, evil on the list.
1: This is yes. Three.
0: Correct. That's just a surprising one.
1: Really? Yes. What would you think?
0: What would I think? I've I've never met a person who was like, three's the one.
1: I have some reasons. Yeah.
0: Because people love two.
1: That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Personally, as a girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's very um. Hard to come by a female main character in a game or playing a woman in a game. You got a problem with and Claire? So who doesn't? <laughs> 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 and so it's um the very first female character, main character, I think, that I ever was like, yeah, that's the coolest person ever, is mm-hmm. Jill Valentine, mm-hmm. who I'm so sad because they kind of like scrapped her character in the Resident Evil universe. Like Chris keeps coming back. And yet, Jill is, was kind of left with a trauma. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last time her. we
0: saw Jill. Was it in five? Mm-hmm. Five when, when she, she was, blonde. was when she was blonde <laughs> and mind controlled by the uh, series protagonist Albert mm-hmm. Wesker. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they they did her so dirty, character development wise. They disappeared her. And they just let Chris keep coming back. And he looks different in every single game he comes it's in. It's so but funny. That's that's neither here nor there. I love Resident Evil. Um, but Resident Evil specifically I love so much because it. I didn't play it myself at first. I watched my older brother play it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have an older brother. <laughs> but it's really nice to hang out with your siblings when you're not fighting a bunch (laughs) or trying to get each other in trouble for something or I don't know just arguing over and over especially when you have as many siblings as I do and my brother being my only brother uh the one thing that we bonded about was video games so I would watch him all the time play like all the Resident Evil games and again even though true crime scares me on the inside uh like jump scares and horror and horror movies and stuff they don't really scare me Mm -hmm. um and even so I kind of like the feeling so, Resident Evil was something that is something that holds a very special place in my heart because I always think about my brother, who I was on the phone with the other day. He's Aww. alive and well, but <laughs> <laughs> I do love my brother, and so it always makes me think of him. But also, Resident Evil 3, the remake specifically, has some of my favorite lines in the game that I can't say. Really? That's funny. <laughs> I can't say what my favorite line is. Not here, but... um. I don't know. Nemesis being so... I don't know. He was scary. He was. And it was fun. And it's also fun playing as Jill, who's like super hardcore. She's just Chris, but a woman. And I don't know. It's fun seeing a woman with a bob uh, shoot a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so. It was
0: cool that um, in the original, just to have kind of a... Antagonist that is like following you throughout the whole game, yeah, and like always has like such a such a presence <laughs> yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. So that is cool, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and also Carlos is a great character. He's yeah. hilarious, and his redesign was beautiful.
0: <sighs> oh, I was gonna say, I'm like, did you not like it? <laughs> no, it was, I was like, it yeah, was
1: perfect. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> but yeah, that is my number seven. Cool. Onto, we are on to number, number six
0: now. A lot of Supergiant love, because my favorite um, Supergiant game is at number six. It's Transistor. Mm-hmm. Transistor is another game by Supergiant. It is their second game after Bastion. It came out in 2012 um, on the PlayStation 4 and PC. I remember one of like the main reasons why I wanted a PS4 was because I knew the next super giant game <laughs> was going to be on it. Wait, you yeah.
1: played Hades on the PS4?
0: No, I played Hades on a PC.
1: Oh, yeah. okay, okay.
0: Cuz I cuz I bought it the oh, second it got announced. Oh, I got yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Transistor is about a singer in a futuristic cyberpunky city who has lost her voice. And see, the game starts in the middle of a murder, is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And you're pulling a sword out of a guy's chest, and the sword is talking to you. And then you're off on your way, and you have no idea what the story is. But I loved it for, obviously, it's art style. Um, the art director, Jen Z, does all of the art for the Supergiant games, and they all look gorgeous and have a very cohesive style. Uh, the music, done by Darren Korb, is just some of my absolute favorite ever. One of my favorite soundtracks in anything with Transistor, and just the combat. I think Bastion is really excellent. Everything I just said about the art design and the music is also true for Bastion, but I think its biggest flaw was just that the gameplay was like a very simple kind of Diablo feeling dungeon crawler type Mm -hmm. game. And I think Transistor, instead of trying to immediately iterate on that, went in a Boldly new direction, which is also something I really appreciate about Supergiant, that all of their games are very different from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Transistor, it kind of plays like a turn-based strategy video game and that you're pausing combat constantly to plan out your moves and deal damage to a v- various amount of enemies in a combat arena at one point instead of doing kind of more real-time action sort of uh, dungeon crawly combat. And that was something that I really, really connected with and I loved doing it. I played the game many times over as a kid just because I loved the combat. And I also loved how experimenting with combat was reinforced. Uh, As a person who was was really into the narrative and plot stuff of Transistor, and that's usually what I am drawn to a lot with most video games, I thought it was mind-blowing that a game's combat system a way to encourage trying out new stuff was to have all of the moves tied to a character that exists in the game and so that if you wanted to learn more about this character who was like a race car driver and something bad happened late in his career and now he's dead then you need to like use that guy's attack as a passive use it as a active ability mm-hmm. and then one other category that I'm forgetting but yeah just like experimenting with the combat opened up a lot more of the story and the more you experimented the more you found out stuff that worked for you and stuff that was really interesting to use in combat and at the same time you're learning more about the story so I just thought that was really ingenious and really just for that alone um I really fell in love with it and mm-hmm. still have to this day and it also just like opened the door for me appreciating a lot of turn-based combat more so because at this point i just like put up with the combat in jrpgs i hate <laughs> i hated turn-based combat i had no patience for it i had no patience oh, okay. for it
1: i was going to say earlier uh the comment you made about persona fives yeah about being so fast i was gonna say i'm not surprised because you kind of have no patience
0: <laughs> yeah i have no i had no patience <laughs> for turn-based combat when i was a kid and i just put up with it in um the games that i played And Transistor was, like, kind of the first step in me learning to appreciate turn-based combat because Mm -hmm. you have things to do when you're not taking a turn. You still have to be avoiding um, enemy attacks, which Mm -hmm. just giving me something to do, allowing me some amount of movement and some control over the amount of damage I'm receiving Yeah, definitely, like, felt like I was doing a lot more when it was not my turn. And so, yeah, that combat...
1: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: Combat's fantastic the game looks great um the story is really sweet and like dark mm-hmm. um but it's a romance and i'm always a sucker for a romance in mm-hmm. games especially like weird ones when you're like boyfriend is a sword
1: right yeah Crazy. that's so cute <laughs> Not a romance person. <laughs>
0: Not a romance? Oh. But you got to get into those sword boyfriends.
1: I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I got to find a sword boyfriend. I know they're out there. <laughs> so with Supergiant, mm-hmm. never doing the same IP, allegedly.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, before, <laughs> yeah, before they announced Hades 2, they got their bag, and they um, they were just following the money, which, like, hey, Hades was a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Not exactly my cup of tea, but, like, I'm just glad Supergiant is getting the respects and the love and, uh, admiration in the game yeah. industry that they deserve. Yeah. yeah so yeah. good for them.
1: Certainly my cup. Of tea love then. to see the little guy on
0: top <laughs> is my, you do, you yeah, do. is what I say about Hades too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Speaking of the little guy, mm-hmm. my number six was very hard to put at number six because this is my favorite. Yeah. This is my favorite game series of all time and it is Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Mm. And this is another game that has a timer constantly running against you. This game I hated and despised for three years before I forced myself to replay it. And it is now, it feels, I feel guilty putting this in number six instead of in the top five, but the top five are really strong for me. Wow. (laughs) But this truly, I have, I think the most video game memorabilia I own is for this game. And I adore it. I have loved it for like ten years now. And running around as young Link who is trapped in all of these different masks until you can get his face back. Have you played it? No. I have no experience I have no experience with Majora's
0: Mask or (laughs) Ocarina of Time. Which I know was like
1: It's the direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. Direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah. It was like
0: released like right after. It uses Mm -hmm. a lot of the same like
1: It's kinda with the same thinking behind hades 2 is Mm -hmm. that ocarina of time was a huge hit so they made a sequel which
0: i know people love majora's mask
1: people love majora's mask i was not of this opinion when i first played it because the timer it's on the top of the screen or the bottom depending on what you played on um and it tells you how many hours hours it kind of runs down more in minutes in real life Mm -hmm. um you have left in the day and every time a day passes it tells you you have Two more days left you have one more day left you have one more night left before you have to reverse time or everybody dies and it bothered me a lot because i could not figure out how to do the things around this one area that they're giving you um it's an incredibly old game so the area is very small when mm-hmm. you think about it but i couldn't figure out how to do anything how to solve the puzzles with the timer running against me the entire time despite having like the song of time to play in the ocarina I just could not do it because if you tilt the camera upwards and you look up you can see the moon getting closer and closer so you just know you're running out of time and it gave me a great deal of anxiety as time does to you but the kind of it's one of the darker Zelda games there's like Mm -hmm. death Um, the main now not the main antagonist. The first kind of bad person you meet really creeped me out, the mask seller, because (laughs) he like grabs you and shakes you around (laughs) and you're just teeny tiny not Link because you're cursed and it just, something about the, I don't know, solving these puzzles and missions and going back and realizing that all of the stories of the townspeople connect and you're trying to save them from time running out Makes it a lot more intriguing once you get the hang of time. And also it just makes you kind of uh, rethink your life in an existential way. Like you don't have much time, but also too much thinking for me as a 10 year old. Hmm. But great game, as you have definitely heard before. Yeah,
0: I'm <laughs> definitely excited to. um That is one I will be playing at some mm-hmm. point. I'm excited to check that out. I guess I'm going sort of in reverse order with the Legend of Zelda series. Mm -hmm. It was something I did not play really much of at all when I was a kid. Breath of the Wild was the first one I finished ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is absolutely my favorite still. I think I and now that I am, I'm going through Wind Waker right now.
1: Yes. Also very loved. I mean, there's not a lot of Zelda games that aren't loved. Mm. (laughs) But I'm going through
0: Wind Waker right now. I played Skyward Sword when that was put on Switch. What was that, last year?
1: Mm. Two years ago? Two years ago.
0: Two years ago. So I played Skyward Sword. I think I'm enjoying Wind Waker less than Skyward Sword, surprisingly. Really? Yeah. I love Skyward Mm. Sword.
1: Have you played Twilight Princess?
0: No, that's next. Mm. Another dark one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going like sort of backwards. Um. But I think I definitely just enjoy the, um, I guess like the more open world sort of design than Mm -hmm. the very linearness of like regular, Mm -hmm. more um, more established 3D Zeldas.
1: I think Wind Waker is probably the most open world it gets before Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and there's it's
0: interesting to see that like a lot of the design (laughs) concepts that like things that they implemented in breath of the wild they were definitely toying around with yeah and had in their brain for a really long time yeah and you can definitely see that going backwards like there was a lot of um just the like uh, what is it called the paraglider Mm-hmm. Paraglider they had a paraglider <laughs> In Skyward Sword they have they got One of those in Wind Waker I'm like man They yeah. really they really just wanted to and use then, this thing
1: When you go backwards you Can I, I didn't love Breath of the Wild When it first came out because I didn't mm-hmm. like that it was an open world game It didn't feel like a Zelda game to me and Open world was not my thing so I was like That kind of person like oh this Isn't really a Zelda game but then I, I gave it another Chance and it's Obviously as wonderful as everybody says it is The music does fall short for me compared to other Legend of Zelda games, but when you walk around, like, the open world in Breath of the Wild, you can see all of the areas that are from all of the older games, and Mm -hmm. they're, like, completely destroyed, but you can still pinpoint what they used to be from the older games, and that I really, really liked about Breath of the Wild is that it felt like a lot like Super Mario Odyssey where it felt like a kind of love letter to all the older games that came before it.
0: Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I will... Be looking forward to playing Majora's Mask more now. 10 out of 10. Yeah. So we are on number five now. Yep. My fifth favorite game is Fez, another indie game from the same era kind of as Transistor. I was, as you can tell, I was playing a lot of, um, like I said, either free games, cheap games. <laughs> it was a revolution back in 2011, 2012 um, when you could... The Xbox Live Marketplace, the Xbox Live Arcade was really hitting its stride. And it was an amazing idea that you could just, like, go onto your Xbox and download a video game without having to go to GameStop or something. Right. Just, like, on your Xbox, you would download a game. It was incredible yeah. technology back then. And one of those games that took forever to develop um, was called Fez, and I loved it so much. It is a very simple game. It plays like Mario. It's a 2D platformer. You play as a character in generic video game land who lives in 2D. And at the beginning of the game, you are bestowed upon your head a fez that lets you traverse the world in three dimensions by shifting the world around you by looking at it from four different perspectives. So that is kind of how the 3D 2D works in that game. And you're kind of just going around a open world and solving puzzles, collecting little bits. It's kind of a collect a thon mixed with the puzzle platformer. The game is very simple. It's something that I give to people when they're like just getting into video games mm-hmm. and they need something to like play as sort of like something that's very immediately easy to understand. You move left right and Mm -hmm. you jump and you push and pull boxes and that's like all of the controls Mm -hmm. in addition to like shifting perspective but beyond that there are so many intricate puzzles hidden in the game world. There are so many ways of thinking outside the box when kind of investigating an environment. Investigating kind of a panel in the world that really rewards um, paying attention to the game and also just like thinking kind of on a different on a non-conventional level when playing a platformer Mm -hmm. and playing just like any video game Uh, they had um, so there were collectibles that were cubes you're collecting like 32 regular cubes and 32 dark cubes and the dark cubes were usually a lot harder to come across there were some Strange esoteric puzzle that you had to solve to get one. Something that really blew my mind as a kid was um, there was an achievement because achievements were also a newfangled thing in the Xbox 360 era. There's an achievement that was just called like L R L R L R R (laughs) L, And obviously you look at that for the first time and you're like, what even is that? But as you understand, when you play a video game, you have these triggers left, right, left, right. that flip the game world around and it's a code and if you play that code in the game it unlocks the achievement and gives you a dark cube which i thought was like when i like put that together in my (laughs) head for the first time as a 12 year old
1: mind-blowing (laughs) mind-blowing
0: incredible stuff it was the first game i ever like used a notepad for because i was taking Mm -hmm. notes going around in the game world trying to collect all 64 cubes Mm -hmm. i spent a lot of time just going around in that world and trying to find everything i could it's kind of like an extension of my love of like banjo kazooie mm-hmm. um and also mario right yeah and right the music through. is also incredible they're <laughs> done by a uh, disaster who's like a chiptune artist who does a lot of indie game work mm-hmm. um yeah gorgeous looking game great music just a fun uh world to be exploring as a cute little pixel character Mm -hmm. with some really cool puzzles
1: when it comes to collecting things Mm -hmm. i that's also something that makes me really nervous because i feel like i can't leave anything behind you know yeah
0: you definitely that was definitely an issue especially when i was younger i worked past it and the way you work past it is you play like a seven out of ten open world game (laughs) and you get everything you can up to a certain point and -hmm. then you go okay i'm never gonna finish this game if i keep doing this and i just need to like barrel through this game so i can finish it and i'm gonna stop collecting stuff and i did that once with a game and i did not have that problem again
1: collecting all the korok seeds Breath brother of the wild
0: did you do that uh, yes why
1: because it was 2020 and i was locked in my house oh my
0: gosh
1: <laughs> <laughs> so sorry i'm loki the completionist <laughs> So my number five is super basic and Mm -hmm. you're gonna come at me for it. But this was a game that when I played it when I was very young, I was like, wow, this is the most incredible soundtrack I've ever heard in my life. Nothing will ever beat this. Mm And uh, it is Final Fantasy
0: VII. Wow, I mean, pretty true. That's like you know one of the greats.
1: It it really is, and obviously, it's a game that needs no explanation. It's one of those games that's considered like the greatest game of all time. Mm -hmm. And my first Final Fantasy game was actually thirteen, and looking back, because I started playing them in order, um, after that, looking back, it is not a game I would ever touch again. Um, Thirteen, I. I love the way it looks. I do not love the way it plays the battle system mm-hmm. because I love turn based combat and I love waiting your turn um, for the enemy turn. I love thinking strategically and doing like the math on how hard this will hit if I add this and that. It's not surprising that I like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy VII is another one of those games that had like strong female characters specifically tifa whom i named our family guinea pig after wow um because it's i don't know she was like strong and hard-hitting and also just very kind and i think the translation the original translation of seven was not the strongest as everybody knows it was more like a a transliteration have you ever heard that word
0: transliteration
1: transliteration I learned it while doing some video game research a couple years ago. Oh, okay. So transliteration is when you translate directly from one language to another. And translation is more like when you take what was said, get the idea of it, and make it make sense in the colloquial speaking of yeah. your own language. So it was
0: a much more literal translation. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what Which they did with that. Which is why a seven. lot of like the English <laughs> is questionable.
1: Right. These guy are sick. Yeah. You know, The iconic like that. line. <laughs> But um, I think that despite all of those flaws, Seven and its remake, which I think did it incredible justice, even though a lot of people didn't like what they thought were filler, um, I liked all of that quote unquote filler levels in the remake. I liked doing the side quests, even though I don't usually love doing side quests Mm -hmm. and missions and stuff. It made me feel like I was getting to know the characters more. I was not huge on Aerith's character in the original. Really? i didn't care i didn't care when she died either
0: <laughs> that's crazy
1: um and it was kind of difficult i didn't know she was gonna die but i never put her when in, like, you played party. through
0: ff7 for the first time you did not know Earth was i was going really to young that? wow <laughs> yeah i, I don't didn't have know. access to the internet like that. interesting <laughs> that was just like through cultural osmosis i feel like i knew eris was going to die in final fantasy 7 before i mm-hmm. knew what final fantasy was
1: <laughs> see i knew like from portal the cake is a lie yeah um but it was like one of those things for me. Yeah, yeah. I never knew anything about it, but I was not really plugged into video game culture as mm. a young child. I wasn't kind of allowed to play video games-ish. I was pushed into a lot more like dolls and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't know she was going to die. I didn't care about her character at all. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. Oh my gosh, bro. Aeris <laughs> is so yeah, cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And I loved her in the remake. She almost took the spot for Tifa in my heart um, because I thought, I don't know, I related a lot more to her character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like a very soft-spoken person like Tifa. I'm not very passive either, I don't think. So Aerith's kind of tongue-in-cheek girliness while also being like a mischievous flirt, I kind of liked a lot more. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think they characterized her a lot better in the remake whereas if we get to that point and she does die, I might cry.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think she really it was really surprising how much they really nailed Aerith mm-hmm. in the remake. I was a big fan mm-hmm. of her in the original game. I love Aerith. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. But um <laughs> yeah, they really nailed it in the remake and I love the remake too. Mm-hmm. Uh I need to play the rebirth what is it
1: yeah crisis core crisis core I too need they to play remastered that. crisis core what do you know about zach
0: i know well i know what's in ff7
1: okay yeah well yeah oh yeah yeah i played
0: through ff7 so
1: the, the baseline stuff yeah i mean
0: so i need to explore <laughs> zach's backstory in crisis core it um and i'm really excited to do that yeah it's love, one of those
1: things that's like did you see advent children the movie yeah um, where the dialogue was so bad. <laughs> but from what I understand, they fixed a lot of it, made it a lot less awkward in Rebirth um, mm-hmm. while also keeping the, like, skeleton of the game. Um, but yeah, I do need to play that. Anyhow, Final Fantasy 7 that's my number five.
0: That's a good number five. Oh, thank you. It's a good one.
1: <laughs> On to number four. Um,
0: my number four is Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium is a 2019 role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is widely known for really phenomenal writing. And that is, I'm starting to replay it right now. I first played Disco Elysium way after it came out. I played it in like the winter break of 2020 to 2021 Mm -hmm. era. So like definitely after the initial like hype and zeitgeist, when it came out, it was definitely well, incredibly well received by both like critics and people who played the game. And I had heard a lot about it Going into it. And something that is like immediately apparent is just how engaging and I don't know what another word is. I'm trying another word's not coming to me. But like engaging and engrossing the writing is immediately mm-hmm. like from second one. Um you're really pulled into this world full of characters that have rough up, rough pasts, so mm-hmm. to say. Um, you play as a police detective inside of a fictional war-torn city called Reva Shoal. You are there with your, uh, your partner. Mm-hmm. Your partner is named Kim Kicharagi. He's a phenomenal video game character, a well-beloved video game character. Um, and you're just off solving a murder, except you you as the main character um, are inflicted kind of with these various personalities and kind of your personalities. When you think of a RPG, you think of having like a party mm-hmm. and there's no combat in Disco Elysium. Everything is just skill checks and talking to people and like listening to dialogue. Um, but your party kind of consists of in addition to your partner, your aspects of your brain. And so aspects of your brain will be chiming into conversations and giving you advice, sometimes usually like horrible advice on what to do. Yeah. And all the characters are really great. There's a lot of funny dialogue. It's a very sad game, but it still manages to be lighthearted in a lot of ways and kind of just highlighting the absurdity of living in such an awful environment that I'm like not going into too much because it would take a very long time to explain like what the game is about, Mm -hmm. but just on your long journey of solving this murder, um, you come across a lot of like incredible personal stories that are really well fleshed out and kind of beautifully detailed in a way that you don't see from a whole lot of, you don't really see from video games ever. Um, Even when when it came out and even to this day, just the level of expertise when going into this narrative and into the moment-to-moment dialogue um, was something that really struck me and is still striking to this Mm -hmm. day. And um, while the game is all about... It kind of got a lot of attention for being very focused on these big, heady political ideas. Um, It talks a lot about this town that you're in has been ransacked and has gone through the years um had a lot of political turmoil Mm -hmm. and has been through a lot of different modes of government by the time you are thrown into the game and while it keeps that all in perspective you don't really need well it keeps that all in perspective and it is very articulate and very intricate with its descriptions of like political and economic machinations of how they run society. It never, it never loses sight of kind of the intimate human stories of like how those political machines and how those uh, modes of society affect the people living in the society. And I think that is like kind of where the humanity of the game, there's always like a core Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a there's a human core. There's something to hold on to despite the very confusing um, rabbit holes that it goes down. Right. Yeah.
1: I never played it. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'd heard a lot about it because everybody had something to say about it. But the title of the game mm-hmm. and nothing I saw of it ever intrigued me enough to look deeper into it. But that description.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is Disco. You play as um your your cop I've heard. your cop man that you play as who you don't find out the name of your own character until like 30 something hours into the game because when oh. you wake up you have gone off through you wake up the morning after a bender an alcohol bender of like indescribable proportions mm-hmm. I think they call it like of apocalyptic <laughs> proportions mm-hmm. to where your character has literally forgotten everything not just like the last day but has forgotten everything about himself and everything about the world that he is living in and so that as with um a lot of video games a lot of video game protagonists have amnesia amnesia of so course. yeah it was just a disco <laughs> Elysium starts off with a very funny way and a very funny excuse of having your character mm-hmm. not know anything about the world that they are living in and right. that is because they're a massive alcoholic hmm yeah, which is like funny at the beginning, but it definitely like interrogates that. <laughs> Disco Elysium being a game mostly about trauma, both like at a societal level and a more intimate human level. Mm-hmm. Um goes into those topics and right. you definitely interrogate that and you find more about your character and the world and it's all just so engrossing. It's like a fantastic book is how mm-hmm. I would describe it. But now that um They had an update, I think a year or so ago, where they added voice acting for nearly every line of dialogue in the game, which is a ridiculous feat (laughs) um, because of how much writing is that in that game. Yeah. Um, But it's all just fully voice acted now. And Mm -hmm. it's just a fantastic game to really immerse yourself in a believable setting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I can't recommend it enough.
1: Super intriguing. Mm -hmm. We'll look into that now. Yeah. my number 4 we are coming back to is Persona 5.
0: Oh. From 2017. I was expecting a, a I was expecting one. a different persona.
1: It it was going to be between 5 and 4 because uh-huh. my first persona game was 4. Um all the way back in 2013, I believe it came out 2014. And I played it when it was released because I like RPGs and I like storytelling games and I like fantastical settings. Um but and so four like holds a special place in my heart for being the first game that I played, mm-hmm. but five perfects the combat system so well that it's hard to go back. And I also love three. It has my favorite characters in the series, but five kind of hits the medium on it, on everything that came before it very mm-hmm. well. Um, what I'm not in love with the first persona, which is, feels more like the spinoff that the series technically the is. The first
0: Persona, Persona 1? It was called SMT Persona. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it feels more like the spinoff that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, there's two, which is technically two and three, um, because it had two versions of the game, which is also good, but I think three is kind of where everything picks up, even though that's kind of controversial to say because nobody likes the popular ones hmm. um, after, you know... Nobody likes the new one until something else comes out after it. But three, I think perfects what the groundwork that two laid for the storytelling aspect of it Four came in with the character building aspect of it. And then five kind of took both of those things and perfected it. The combat is incredible. As we were talking about earlier, visually the game looks insane. I was not Ever a huge fan of jazz and jazz fusion, but the soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks uh, in video games at all. And then I just really like um, magical settings. I really like having powers, and I really like elemental stuff. So. Elemental types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a rock, paper, scissors. Final Fantasy. Yeah,
0: a rock, paper, scissors aspect. Just like in right. the combat.
1: I think my top three. I'll come back to that. Mm. <laughs> so. Persona 5, it's also my favorite, because when I played it, I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And then when the Royal came out, I was a senior in high school. Wow! So it was like, I don't know, the same game, different perspectives, and also at both of those times in my life, uh, I had other stuff going on that made me really like the social aspect of the game. And the in the Royal edition, which I know you did not play, it has not yet a fantastic third semester with the addition of two characters one of them i didn't really care for but the doctor i really did like a lot um and then they added a card game mini game which i put so many hours into that i think my original playthrough of the royal came out to 260 hours because i played that card game so much oh my
0: god that's terrifying <laughs>
1: But yeah, back to Persona Five. It's great. Yeah,
0: it's great. Um, I don't have much to add other yeah. than just playing Persona in high school. When you're in high school,
1: it's so crazy. It's just a different.
0: It's it it, it elevates it to a different level. Mm-hmm. Just personally, you're makes like, it a little relatable. You're like these are just like they're so they're crazy. Just like they're me. just like my friends and I. This is literally us guys. Is what I was thinking when I was playing through Persona Five. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: The two-player podcast is a production of KTSW 89.9. The show is hosted by Christina Sims and me, Jared Dudley. The show is produced by Victor Guevara with help from Elizabeth May. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.